This ESPN Chicago podcast is presented by 19 Crimes Wine. ESPN 1000. The guys are off tonight. Tyler Aki in with you until 8 o'clock here on ESPN 1000. If you missed it, they will be back tomorrow for Greeny from 10 to noon. And they were in for Greeny earlier tonight as well. Earlier today, I should say, from 10 to noon. If you missed any of that, be sure to check it out on the ESPN Chicago app or wherever you get your podcasts for Black and Abdallah. 312-332-3776. Talking Bulls. No moves made at the trade deadline tonight by AK and Mark Eversley. It's it's really frustrating what we've seen from this Bulls team this season. They've not been good. They made no moves to try to improve the roster. They're banking on continuity, but one of the most important pieces of that continuity is Lonzo Ball, and he is not looking like he is going to be coming back anytime soon. We'll listen to hear what Arturis Karnaschovas had to say a little bit earlier today after uh, he met with the media before the Bulls uh, squared off with the Brooklyn Nets tonight. But we want to hear from you, 312-332-3776. The Bulls, one of just two teams today that did not make a trade at the deadline this season and leading into this season. It was them and the Cleveland Cavaliers, and the Cleveland Cavaliers went out and made the big blockbuster over the weekend, or over the offseason, rather, to go out and get Donovan Mitchell, and that's why they are having a lot more success than the Bulls are here in 2023. 312-332-3776. We want to talk with you. Chase is on the south side. What's going on, Chase? Tyler, what's happening, bro? What's going on, Chase? I'm good, man. What you got for us tonight? Yeah. Hey, before I get started, man, yeah. listen, if I hear Stacey, listen, I love Stacey King. He does a great job on the on TV, but I swear, man, if I hear him sing, sometimes I dream, like he is me, like Zach, if I could be like Zach, if I sing, hear him sing that song one more time, I'm going to scream. Oh, my God. Tyler, tell me that when he sings it, tell me that don't drive you crazy when he sings that every time Zach makes a good play. Um, like, right there with you. That, that I'm sorry, but that yeah, I just want to start that off. That is that that annoys me every time he does that. But we will pass um, it along to Stacy for you, Chase. Please, um, <laughs> well you know, um, you know, I was listening to Sylvie's rant early about why the Bulls, where this all started, about how to, you remember how he was talking about where to rebuild when they was middling around when Derrick Rose and Jimmy Butler was here back was it 2014, 2015 when they fired Tibbs and brought in Hoiberg and. And then all that, and then they get all this just to be right back to where they were. They get three rebuilds just to be right back to where they were. You remember he had, you heard about that rant, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. So I can go even further back to even further when the first rebuild back in 98, when they, after they won that last championship, and then they decide to part ways, you know, Jordan retires, Scotty Pippen left, Dennis Rodman left, Bill Jackson left. And Jerry Reinsdorf 
you know, I, I don't know if it was Ryan Zoll from Proud saying, I don't care if you go 8 and no, nobody's coming back. That team broke up. They broke that team up. They brought in Tim Floyd in. Then they made the draft pick Elkin Brand. At that time, we thought, okay, they starting to build something. Then they traded him for two high schools, Eddie Curry and Tyson Chandler, and they started a rebuild, two rebuilds, right? Then the whole Jay Williams tragedy thing happened and all that mess happened. Then they brought in Scott Styles in, and we thought, okay, they brought in Ben Gordon in, and they made that little two playoff runs back in 2004, 2005. Then they brought in Ben Wallace in. But we all knew that team was mediocre. We knew that team wasn't going anywhere. We knew. I don't know how old you are if you remember that 05, 06 Bulls team when they had Ben Gordon, Chris mm-hmm. uh, Duhon, and yep. uh, Kirk Heinrich, and Luol Deng, and Oshione, all of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they made that little run back in 05. And we knew the team wasn't going to win anything. And then they made a move against Ben Wallace. But that it was a solid move, but it wasn't the move that you could say, okay, it's going to take you over the top. And then they, that move didn't work. They filed Styles, and then they bring in, you know, Del Negro. That went, that went wrong. And then, yeah, we had a little brief moment with Derrick Rose. And then we brought in Rose in, and that for that two moments, it was starting to finally feel like the Bulls are back. We finally back. And then Rose tears his knee up, and then that was it. And so my point, the reason I'm bringing this up is, it's kind of what Sylvie was talking about. This has been going on since, after, since Jordan retired. The Bulls have been in this middling and rebuild since the nine, since the Jordan left in early 2000s. Yeah, 25 this years. Been going on, this has been going on for two decades now. They both have been rebuilding for two decades. This is what my point is. And you wonder, and then let's, let's, not, even, let's not even forget the, the bad drafting they've done. I mean, we talk about the fact that they haven't signed these free agents if you look at the draft picks over the last 15 years, the Bulls have done a terrible job of drafting development. We passed up on great players. I mean, think about it. We passed up on uh, Halliburton mm-hmm. to, to, to draft Patrick Williams. That draft pick, I know everybody's saying be patient with him, but right now I'm just going to say it. Patrick Williams is a bust. I'm sorry. He, I'm just done with him. Then we passed up on uh, Donovan Mitchell to draft Laurie Market. Think about that. I mean, just look at the list of players. We, we, we passed up one, and this is where we are. This is why we are where we are, and we've been dealing with this mess for the last 25 years, and this is where we are, unfortunately. And it's just, I don't know, it's just, it's bad. It's really bad, and it's just, ugh, it's, it's, it's bad, Tyler. I'm sorry, it's bad. And you know what, Chase? It yeah. ain't getting better. It will not oh, get no. better anytime soon. No, it won't. Unfortunately, as long as Ryan's Dorf is, is – the problem is is that, you know, everybody keeps saying that, you know, AK and Eversley don't want to make the moves. But I, I don't know. It's, it's, like, it's like the same thing with the White, White Sox. It's the same thing. As long as he's running that team, it's, I don't see things getting better until Ryan's Dorf is removed as owner. I mean, and, and the only way this will be solved is everybody stops supporting the team and stops going to the game. That's the only way this – that's the only way things will get better, and they for and he sells the team. That's the only way this will get better. Other than that, as long as Ryan Zorf is running the team, the White Sox and the Bulls will never win anything as long as he's running the team. I'm sorry, that's just the way it is, unfortunately. Yeah. Appreciate the phone call, Chase. All right. Have a good night. All right. All right. That's, that's Chase on the south side here. 312-332-3776 if you've got some Bulls thoughts. Arturis Karnaschovas met with the media after uh, the trade deadline today. The Bulls do nothing 
as 28 other teams make moves leading into the trade deadline. The Bulls, not one of them, them and the Cleveland Cavaliers. So AK was asked, how active were the Bulls at the deadline? Well, consistency is the word, right? So I think I can start with uh, saying that, that we were pretty active at uh, trade deadline. It just didn't seem like there were deals for us to make um, to improve this group. And at the end of the day, we decided to go with this group for next 28 games. I just think that um, this group showed some resiliency uh, improvement uh, in this year because we kind of flipped the script uh, from last year beating bad teams, losing to good teams, uh, this year winning against good teams and losing to below 500 teams. Staying in a lot of games, um, uh, you know, I'm like a fan base, uh, you know, hate to lose uh, in a lot of those close games, but a lot of those games we were in it, it's just disappointing to see that our record doesn't show that we improved, but we in a lot of those games, it's just disappointing that we lose at the end. Um, so <clears throat> after busy couple days, I think, you know, we came to the conclusion that this was the best group for us uh, to give us the best chance to win. That's AK talking about the Bulls not doing anything, but they say that they were active. There are two things that sort of stuck out to me there. Him saying they were active and also him saying that this is a resilient group. I would disagree with both of those. I mean, it's tough to say you were active when you make zero trades at the deadline, you pick no lane. This isn't even a go-for-it type of deal here for the Bulls. They didn't go out and do anything. They didn't try to attack. You Listen, I could at least understand AK by him going out and doing something. It wouldn't be my course of action, but he if he went out and made some trades to go and try to retool this roster a little bit you know maybe he goes out and gets a guard to try to help out for the fact that it doesn't look like Lonzo Ball is going to come back anytime soon um and then if he had gone out and made a trade to try to get this team a little bit better because guess what they that you look at what the Eastern Conference sort of looks like right now it's not open but it has been weakened when you look at some of the trades that were made today, specifically with the Brooklyn Nets. So if he wanted to go out and attack and try to make a real playoff run here, fine. All right. At least he picked a direction there. If he had wanted to sell, which would have been the course of action I would have liked to see the Bulls make, sell her off, try to get some picks, draft some guys this year and then on top of that, maybe draft or, or use some of those picks to, to trade and find some sort of star or superstar to go and get something. That would have been my preferred course of action, but that was clearly not something that they went out and did. But just to stand pat here and then tell your fan base that you were active. That's someone who just went and walked a couple laps around the block to close off some of their Apple Watch rings. That's what it is. Because th that could not be further from the truth. Sure, you picked up the phone a bunch of times. Maybe you made some outgoing calls as well. 
But unless you actually do something, then what does it matter? To me, this is like the the kid in school who he turns in all of his homework assignments, but when that test comes, when that quiz comes, there's nothing to show for it. And they go out and fail the test or the quiz. There's no, All that homework's great. Congrats, you made a bunch of phone calls. But you didn't go out and actually do anything at the trade deadline. 312-332-3776. You'll hear more from AK in just a little bit. The other part there that, that didn't sit well with me was him saying that this has been a resilient team. Where has there been any moment of resiliency from this team this season? I'd like, like, think back. And again, it hasn't been an impressive season for the Bulls this year. But think back through all the moments that we've seen, the ups and the downs with this Bulls team. Where's the resiliency been? I haven't seen it. This is a team that's crumbled in the fourth quarter time and time again. There has been no resiliency there. They're losing to bad teams. You can't point to resiliency with this group. That is not the word that I would use to describe the 2022-2023 Bulls. Tyler Rocky in for Black and Abdallah. You'll hear more from AK when we come back here on ESPN 1000. This is Black and Abdallah on ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports. Follow Chicago's home for sports on Twitch at ESPN 1000 Chicago. You're listening to Black and Abdallah on ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports. Here we go, yo. Abdallah will be back with you tomorrow from 10 to noon. They're in for Greeny tomorrow. I'll be with you 6 to 8 right here on ESPN 1000, 100.3 HD2 or the ESPN Chicago app. If you missed the guys today, they were in for Greeny from 10 to noon. So be sure to check that out on the podcast wherever you get your pods. 312-332-3776. We are talking bulls with you. No moves made by AK or Mark Eversley at the trade deadline for the Chicago Bulls. And AK met the media earlier today. He was asked, what was it? What was the market like that led to standing pat at the deadline? Well, that's what you're looking at. There were so many buyers, right? So there were a lot of teams that didn't want to take a step back, including us. So we tried to improve our team, but at what cost? And that price was not okay with us. So I think... Uh, you know, next stage for us now that we pass the trade deadline is to evaluate this group next 28 games. Um, like I said, you know, mediocrity and average is, is, is not okay with us. Um, but the next step is what's going to happen for the rest of the season and then how we can address, you know, during the draft and free agency uh, the shortcomings. So. And that's AK talking about what the market was like. He said a lot of buyers out there, and maybe that drove the prices up so the Bulls weren't able to make a move on some of the guys that they would have wanted. You saw all the guards get shuffled around that were rumored to go to the Bulls, um, whether it was Conley, Mike Conley, Bones Highland, a couple other guys that got moved around as well. But the, the end of that right there, talking about the mediocrity and not settling for mediocrity. That's exactly what the Bulls did today. They settled for mediocrity. 
they went out there and showed you we are content with where we are right now. You take a look at the NBA standings and boom, there you go. You find the Bulls right now sitting ninth in the Eastern Conference at 26 and 28. If that doesn't scream mediocrity, then I don't know what does. Another thing that, that AK addressed today, it was an update on Lonzo Ball as well as what his thoughts are on how the current team has performed. Well, I don't know uh, regarding Zoe. Uh, I think he's making small improvements, but we're still going to have more information for you probably post-All-Star uh, weekend, and we're going to inform you about that. Uh, regarding this group, uh, again, I thought that there are small improvements this year in terms of you know, staying in games, coming back from uh, large deficits uh, in the games that we had no business to be in, uh, pulling out at the end, and obviously there were a lot of painful losses that we were very close. So at the end of the day, we thought that this was the best group for us to finish the season. So that's AK talking about Lonzo. The thing that you get from that Lonzo update right there, sounds like that's it. That's it for the season. When you're you're already planning on when you're going to address it, that sounds like you're there's a hard stop date where unless some miracle happens between now and then, this thing is, is going to get shut down for the season here. And in terms of making improvements from last year, I mean, you look at where the Bulls are right now, 54 games in. All right, they sit 26 and 28. 54 games in last year, they were 33 and 21. 33 and 21, right? A seven game difference from last year. But no, there, there have been small improvements with this team so far. Another sort of hot button topic that, that's been floated out there is well, what's going to happen with Vooch, right? You know, this kind of felt like the perfect time to trade Vooch because you could go out, try to recoup some assets that you gave away. Sort of this sunk cost that you have right now sitting on your roster with Nikola Vucevic. That was the the first really big roster move that AK and Eversley made was going out and making the trade for Vooch, shipping out Wendell Carter as well as a pair of picks. But that has certainly backfired because you look at and Ryan Rossillo brought it up uh, last week with, with Waddle and Sylvie talking about how you wouldn't trade a single one of those assets for Vooch right now. You wouldn't trade a single one of those picks or Wendell Carter Jr. for Vooch straight up. Now, to Vooch's credit, he is playing some of the best basketball that he's played since coming over to the Bulls. But that sort of feels like the, all right, let's sell while, while we can right now because it's an expiring deal, and now he's getting set to, to enter free agency. So AK was asked, are you confident that you can re-sign Vooch this offseason? I'm confident. I mean, he's having an unbelievable year, and, you know, we want him to be here. So I just think that for this group now is important. You know, now that the trade deadline is passed, you know, this is the group that we're sticking with, and they can go out there and play and put a foot on the gas and put together a run. So that's how he feels about Vooch. And it seems like the Bulls are going to, do everything they sort of can this offseason to make sure he is back at the United Center for this Bulls team moving forward. Now listen, Vooch is a fine player. I don't mind having Vooch on the roster. But you also have to think about at what cost. 
Like, is is this going to be something where AK is going to go out there and and start spending his money on a guy like Vooch as opposed to somebody else? Is he going to get into a bidding war for a guy like Vooch? I guess in a case like that, that's where you're almost happy that you have an owner that doesn't spend a lot of money because you know you're not going to overspend on a guy like Vooch. It seems like he's well-liked within that entire organization right now, that being Nikola Vucevic, but the, the payoff has not been there for the trade that you made to go out and get him a couple years ago. Other thing, AK was asked, how do you feel about the team's performance so far this season? I am disappointed in terms of result. I'm disappointed. Um, you know, inconsistencies were disappointing a little bit to me. Uh, but again, there's... You know, those guys are still hanging in there. Um, you know, uh, players and coaches are doing a great job now to hang in there. Um, there's still time uh, to improve, and we have 28 games left. Uh, we have to improve our position, and each team probably says the same thing. So we're going to battle, and we'll see what happens. So that's AK. Do you feel, how do you feel about the team's performance? He says right off the gate here, you hear him. I am disappointed. He's disappointed disappointed in how this team has performed so far but when you say there's time to improve what exactly are you saying there like what are you trying to improve necessarily what are you trying to accomplish right now you're three and a half games out from the sixth spot now it looks like brooklyn in all likelihood is probably going to drop out of one of those top six spots with the way that they have traded away two of the top players in the league with Kyrie Irving going to Dallas and then in very, very the wee hours of the morning today when Kevin Durant goes to Phoenix. So there is a spot that is all in all likelihood there to be had. And AK kind of addressed that too on how he's still confident in this team because of some of the other moves that were made in the Eastern Conference. I mean, I'm, I'm still, I still have confidence in this group uh, right now. Um, I think uh, we would have, uh, if we pulled it out the last game, we would have been in eighth spot. So uh, there's still wiggle room. There's some parity in uh, in the East. I think the the trade deadline kind of shifted um, some quality more towards West. So there's, you know. There's a chance, obviously, to compete in the East, Eastern Conference, and there's a lot of teams that are pretty good, uh, but they are just clutch all together. So I think there's there's a chance there in the next 28 games. Uh, the way it looks right now, there's still a sizable gap between the Bulls and what we've seen out of them and where they want to get because you want to be in that top four in the East, and there is quite a ways away to go. And then lastly here, this is the last thing from AK. Um, Why are you confident that you can turn this thing around? Because right now, dire times for the Bulls. Something needs to change, and something needs to change quickly because the clock is officially ticking. I I think the, the AK Mark Eversley project is right now officially a failure. It's officially a failure with some of the moves that have been made. You look at the, the trade for, for Vucevic, going out and signing uh, Lonzo Ball. That doesn't look like it's going to pay off at all. Going out and drafting Patrick Williams. All of it looks like a failure right now. And you kind of got lucky with DeMar DeRozan having an out-of-body experience 
um, in his first year with the team. So why are you confident, AK, that you can turn this thing around? Well, I think we <laughs> turned the roster around the last couple of years. You know, we've done deals that, you know, in the summertime that a lot of people said that we couldn't do. So I think there's ways to improve it. It's just the timing is going to depend on when you, you know, make those moves. And this is just a collection of information. Next 28 games is like, you know, where we are. Well, last time you turned the roster around, you failed. You failed. And that's where this thing is sitting at right now. 312-332-3776 if you want to talk Bulls and them not making any moves at the deadline. Coming up next, though, this Super Bowl, I think, is the most excited I've been from a matchup standpoint. We'll talk about the Eagles and the Chiefs coming up next here on Black and Abdallah. You're listening to Black and Abdallah. ESPN Chicago. Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Twitter at ESPN1000. This is Black and Abdallah on Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN Chicago. On ESPN 1000, 100.3 HD2. The guys will be back tomorrow from 10 to noon to fill in for Greeny here on ESPN 1000. I'll be with you 6 to 8 tomorrow night right here on ESPN 1000. Also on Twitch, twitch.tv slash ESPN 1000 Chicago if you want to talk with us. 312-332-3776 is the number to call. You know... So the Super Bowl is this weekend. We've got the Eagles and the Chiefs as the matchup out in Arizona. And just looking through some of the matchups that I've seen in my lifetime from the Super Bowl, this is one, and maybe it's some recency bias here, but this is about as excited as I've been for a Super Bowl matchup. You know, you look at both of these teams. you got the one seed in each conference. It, it was the team that, in my eyes, was clearly best in each conference, and I'm glad that we have it the way that it is where they are both representing in the Super Bowl this upcoming weekend because sometimes we see things get in the way. When you've got a format that is a knockout-style format like the NFL playoffs are, it's good to see when you do get the two true best teams meeting up in the Super Bowl. And I look at one side... It's kind of got me it's it gives me a huge hesitance in picking this game because when you look at the Eagles, right? Ultimate team construction. You've got excellent talent on the outside at wide receiver. You've got an amazing offensive line. You've got a defensive line that is playing at a historic level with the number of players that had 10 or more sacks on the defensive line. You've got a backfield that's been very, very strong this year. And you've got a quarterback who took the giant leap that we that whenever you see a second or third year quarterback and you're looking to to say, is this your guy of the future? Yep, he took that leap for you with Jalen Hurts. A lot of fun. And you've got a coach that is exciting. He's got some some charisma to him. He's a fiery guy. Uh, not I don't want to say a controversial guy because that's not true, but it's like some people love him. 
Some people hate him. Some people think he's obnoxious. Some people love the fire and passion that Nick Sirianni brings to it. Then on the other side, with the Kansas City Chiefs, you've got a quarterback that is, when it's all said and done, going to go down in the conversation as one of the greatest of all time. And it's always so hard to pick against a guy like that. But here we sit on February 9th, three days out from the Super Bowl, and a guy who could go down as the greatest quarterback of all time is currently an underdog in the Super Bowl. And sometimes you look at that and you say to yourself, how can I turn down points with Patrick Mahomes, right? And he's got a supporting cast around him. I mean, he's got a number one pass catcher with Travis Kelsey, who is going to go down as historically one of the greatest tight ends of all time. You've got Andy Reid, one of the greatest coaches of all time. You've got good presence on the defensive line with guys like Chris Jones, Frank Clark, George Karloftis, their rookie. All those guys can get after the quarterback. And that's why this matchup is so intriguing because for the first time in quite some time, I don't know who the pick is. I'm rolling with the Eagles, but there's so many different outcomes in this game that could occur. Like, could the moment just be too big for Jalen Hurts? I know he's won a couple playoff games here. He had gotten his feet wet in the playoffs in years past. But could he just get to the Super Bowl and sort of shrivel up? Meanwhile, you got a quarterback on the other side who's carved up defenses in a Super Bowl before, who's had Super Bowl success, already has a rank to his name, and has done so in a very short span of a career so far. So there's that angle to it. Like, could the Chiefs just have and, and win the experience card here? And could they go out and win this thing by 10 to 14 points because of that? Or could it come down to a final possession and the Chiefs go out and win because Patrick Mahomes has the ball last? And then on the other side, could it be that, oh, Jalen Hurts has the ball last here and he goes out and makes a drive and starts to put a feather in the cap of his legacy here and get his first Super Bowl ring? Or could it just be that The Eagles are the significantly more talented roster. They're just the better team right now on both sides of the ball. And that plays out. And they go out and dominate the game and win by double digits. And win by two or three possessions. Could that be the case too? And the more and more I look at it, I'm siding with the Eagles here. But it's it's not going to take away from the fact that I think that this game is going to be one of the better ones that we've gotten in recent memory because the matchup is so great. We've seen the line flip from the Chiefs being a favorite to now the Eagles being a favorite. But you look at some of the different question marks, and there's a great article on ESPN.com about some of the burning questions, and it's written by Bill Barnwell on ESPN.com. And he talks about, all right, so... Can Patrick Mahomes be protected this time? Remember the last Super Bowl Mahomes played in, right? Going up against the Bucs, they lose 31-9 to in that game. And it was because Mahomes was running for his life. No offensive line help. They were down three offensive linemen in that game. And you just saw the value of what the trenches bring. Because 
Patrick Mahomes never stood a chance behind that offensive line. And guess what? There's the other sort of X factor in this game. How healthy truly is Patrick Mahomes' ankle? You know, I know he's had some time now. He's gotten the extra week in between. He looked a little hobbled against Cincinnati in the AFC Championship, but I think we can all agree he looked better than we thought he would look in that game from a health standpoint. And then he goes out there and throws for 300 yards and a couple touchdowns. So how big of a difference is that going to be? Because now you've got a defensive line that can get to the quarterback without bringing extra pressure. Like, this Eagles defensive line has over 40 sacks this season on four-man pressures. For context, the Bears just had barely over 20 sacks this season, no matter the circumstance. They had over just a little over 20 sacks total this season. The Eagles had 40 alone on four-man pressures and had over 70 on the year. So how is Philly going to counteract that? And how are they going to get pressure on Mahomes? And how are they going to maybe make Mahomes' ankle turn into an issue in this game? I'm intrigued by that because this Philly team's got some dogs on it that can get after the quarterback. Hassan Reddick has been one of the most fun edge rushers to watch this season. We saw him when he came to Chicago. He had the, the two sacks, almost had a third that Justin Fields somehow found a way to maneuver out of and, and bust off a big run as a result of it. But on the other side defensively in this game, you know, we don't hear a lot about Steve Spagnuolo during the regular season. In fact, I feel like we hear more bad than good about Steve Spagnuolo during the regular season. And then the playoffs come, and all of a sudden he's this evil scientist, this mad witch doctor that can go out there and craft up a defense that can shut down any sort of quarterback, any sort of offensive attack. And what's he going to do in this game? What does he have brewed up, the defensive coordinator, for the Kansas City Chiefs? It's interesting to me. And then on the other side, you've got a quarterback playing in his first Super Bowl in Jalen Hurts. You've got an offense that's largely playing in their first Super Bowls right now. You've got a couple holdovers from the last Eagles Super Bowl winning team on the offensive line. But what do they have? What are they going to bring to the table here? Are we going to see some early jitters? Like, I could see this being a game where the Eagles come back and win because maybe in that first quarter, it's just a a long sort of get-to-know-you process and get-to-know-the-magnitude-of-the-moment for this Philly team right now because Jalen Hurts, he's played in big games. He's played in college football playoffs. He's played in national championships before. But this is the Super Bowl. This is that on another level. Like, we saw Patrick Mahomes when he played in his first Super Bowl. It was a little bit of a struggle out of the gate for him. But once he got into that third, fourth quarter, sort of found his rhythm, and then he leads the Chiefs on that comeback to beat the San Francisco 49ers. There's so many different storylines in this game. But ultimately, I do think it is going to be the Eagles that come away victorious in this game because of the fact that I think the defense is going to be something that wins this game. I, you know, they always say when you're you're betting these games too, sometimes you don't want to bet a money line of a favorite. You just want to take the quarterback to win the Super Bowl MVP. I do think that we are going to see a non-quarterback Super Bowl MVP if the Eagles win. If the Chiefs win, I think it'll be Mahomes. 
But if the Eagles win, I think that you could find some value on someone other than Jalen Hurts being the Super Bowl MVP. Maybe even someone on the defensive side of the ball. I brought up Hassan Reddick's name. He could be a guy that just turns into an absolute game wrecker in this one. And as a result, ends up winning the Super Bowl MVP. Who knows? Maybe he gets a couple sacks. Maybe he gets a strip sack, too, in there. Forces a fumble. Maybe recovers one. But I'm I'm really excited. I, this is going to be one of the best Super Bowls, I think, of my lifetime that we've seen so far because of the way that these two teams have sort of been on this collision course it feels like all season long. The Chiefs are the Chiefs. We know who they are. They've been this for a number of years now. And then the Eagles were the last undefeated team standing and pretty much cruised to the number one seed and have been so dominant with Jalen Hurts as their quarterback. They've only lost one game this season with Hurts at the helm right now. So I love this matchup. I think it's going to be a great game on Sunday, and I'm looking forward to it. I think there's so many different ways. Oh, and by the way, I don't know if people know this, but the, the Kelsey brothers, they're brothers. They're, they're facing off in a Super Bowl. That, that, to me, has turned into one of the most annoying storylines of, of the Super Bowl week. But 312-332-3776 if you want to talk Super Bowl with us. Black and Abdallah, we'll be right back. Black and Abdallah, ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports. Listening to Black, 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 and Abdallah on Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN Chicago. If you miss something, get the podcast on the ESPN Chicago app. to Charlie Bevins and Kendra Smith for producing tonight's show. I'll be back with you tomorrow night, 6 to 8, right here on ESPN 1000. Chris Black and Adam Abdallah will be in, filling in for Greeny tomorrow from 10 to noon right here on ESPN 1000, as they did earlier today. If you missed any of that, be sure to check it out on the podcast, Black and Abdallah on the ESPN Chicago app, or wherever you get your podcast. Good to see that the... Uh, the no-trade Bulls, everything's working out right now. Down by 10 to the, the Brooklyn Nets. The the Durant and Kyrie-less uh, Brooklyn Nets right now. Good to see all that sitting on your hands paid off, A.K. and Eversley. Well done. 312-332-3776 if you want to get in. All right, I've got a question for, for Charlie. Got a question for Kendra. Got a question for all of you. So we did something yesterday. All right. Finally took down a Christmas tree. Finally took down our Christmas tree. February 8th, felt like a good time to finally take down the tree. But what does that say about me? Not taking down, and it's not just me. I have two other roommates too, but we didn't take down our Christmas tree until yesterday. Finally gathered everything together. Was it just being lazy or that was the designated time you guys had set aside? So it was, we've like floated the idea around like, all right, let's... What do we think? Let's take down the Christmas tree on Friday. Oh, let's take down the Christmas tree on Monday. Let's take down the Christmas tree this weekend. We floated it out to each other a couple times, but we've never actually followed through on it. And yesterday we finally did. But February 8th feels a little long, feels very lazy on my behalf as well. feels very lazy. But I know some people that, that keep it up year round. So I'm wondering, like, 
did I did I just blow by the, the tipping point here? Did I just blow by it? Should I have just at that point just leave it up the rest of the year? Yeah. Well, I didn't even put one up for starters. All right. Uh, well, but, that's, on, that's that's a you problem. Yeah, I think that's also a sign of laziness. But I don't know. I feel like you know you could have broken like you could have said, "Oh, we're getting ready for Christmas in July," like that kind of thing. Some people just keep it up as like good decor. I will say my my apartment is kind of an arboretum with the amount of plants that one of my uh, roommate has. I mean, it, we we could give the botanical gardens I got a run a couple for its money. Like that. Yeah, um, yeah. You didn't like, even notice the Christmas tree. It was just one. It was just one, mini. It was just one of the one of the plants at that point. Yep. And, and obviously, if it's if it's going if it's still up at this point, you know, it's it's fake tree. Um, but that was my next question. Yeah. But yes, so we we finally took it down this past week. But I was wondering, should I have just left it up for the entire year? Because I, I was at the point where I was like, all right, probably time to leave it up for the rest of the year. But we do have a we do move like a dining room table when we put the Christmas tree out. So oh, so you had to make room. For we had to tree. make room so, yeah, for the get tree. Get rid of the tree and, and eat on a and proper table. Well, we're we're three dudes. We we don't like eat at a dinner table. All right, we we eat on the couch with the coffee table there. Like that, that's just how it goes. So, um, but yeah, I was wondering if uh, I was I was going to ask for your wisdom, both you, Kendra, and Charlie, if I should have left it up for the rest of the year. How long did it take? Like to, to put up? Yeah, or no, take to down? take it down. Oh, it took no more than an hour, maybe like forty five minutes. That's kind of a long time. Like that's that's no like. That's no. Oh, we'll just do this really quick. You know, I can I can see how how you could let that stay there for a while. Yeah, I don't. No, I think it was. I think we had to take it down though, because like, I think if it was just, it's the ornaments that really bother me to like have up, because like those are the things that look festive. Like people have like trees and plants in their homes, right? People don't have ornaments just sitting around. That, to me, indicates Christmas more than the actual tree itself. Um, and then you got, like, candy canes hanging on it and stuff like that. It's just, that, to me, is, is a no-fly zone. So, uh, yeah, we finally we finally took it down. You guys want a little bit of a zoo news here? Well, hello, Mr. Lion. Here's the latest edition of the Zoo News. We've got some more trouble in Texas at the Texas zoos right now. Houston Zoo finds cut in animal enclosure following issues at the Dallas Zoo. Officials found a four-inch gap cut in the mesh of brown pelican habitat. Following a string of animal-related incidents at the Dallas Zoo, it appears the Houston Zoo is now having issues with vandalism. There was a report of a four-inch gap that was cut into the pelican habitat at the Houston Zoo earlier this week. They have not yet figured out what is happening at the the Houston Zoo. Let us out, let us out, let us out, let us out. The zoo is overloaded. This is on the heels of the, the monkeys getting loose at the Dallas Zoo. So, uh, Texas, why don't you, you figure out What's your zoo problem? What's going on in Texas? Figure like, out your zoo problem. I think we need to send Jake down there. I do think we need to send Jake yeah, down there. Yeah, he needs there. to do some reconnaissance. Yeah. Because this is... Like a yeah, just another update on this. Right, it, it continues to to do that. Um, we do have another story here. This is out of the the San Diego Zoo. San Diego Zoo isn't that one of the the famous zoos? Yeah, very famous. Yes. Very famous zoo. That's what I thought. All right, the the San Diego Zoo mouse is officially the world's oldest at the age of nine. That's disgusting. Did you say mouse? Mouse. 
Nine-year-old mouse. Like Mickey Mouse. Like Mickey Mouse. Uh, th- this thing looks disgusting, by the way. It is a Pacific pocket mouse named Pat. He is the oldest living mouse in human care and the oldest mouse ever, according to the Guinness Book of World Records. I thought you were about to say, like, he's 104 years old. Like, no. he was a turtle. <laughs> so, my, roommate, uh, my roommates in college and I, quick story, we almost bought a turtle in college because we were looking for some sort of house pet to, to keep us occupied when we had to stay in Syracuse for a summer, which... If anyone's ever been to Syracuse in the summer, not a good time. Um, so we were looking for a pet to keep us occupied. And so we go to PetSmart and we say, hey, how about we, we ask the guy like, oh, we're looking at buying a pet. Like, what about a turtle? And he says, oh, great choice. And we're like, all right, awesome. He's like, I do have to warn you, though. These things do live to be 15 to 20 years old. And we were like, oh, boy, no chance we are not going to do the turtle. But that's is your latest edition of Zoo News. That's what is new at the zoo. So we've got the oldest mouse according to the Guinness Book of World Records. Why are why are mice even a thing at the the zoo? Why? Like if you want to like I get it if that's if it's feeding for feeding. Unless yeah. it's ratatouille, get rid of it. <laughs> even if it's ratatouille, I don't want I don't want rats in my in my restaurants right there. All right. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Black and Abdallah will be in for Greeny tomorrow from 10 to noon. I'll be with you 6 to 8 on ESPN 1000. Have a good night. You're listening to Black and Abdallah. ESPN Chicago. This is Chicago's home for sports.